we cannot afford to let down our Christian standards just to hold the interests of people who want to go to hell and still belong to a church. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the All of Life Show. I am one of your hosts, Stuart White, along with my beautiful and lovely wife, Alicia White. And uh, today we have a special episode for you, babe. Do you remember what it is that we're talking about? <laughs> I should. <laughs> I'm part of the part of the whole show process, right? Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about um, the sacred and the secular divide. That that's something that Western culture has adopted recently, and. Um, it, how it kind of renders Christians ineffective for the gospel. Yeah, so that is going to be the theme of this episode, but don't go anywhere, because first, let's do a little catch-up. Okay. How are things? <laughs> uh, things today, in full transparency, were a little off. Um, I would say we had a pretty good week, but today um, we had intentions of recording the podcast earlier. Uh, we were researching how we were going to lay out the show notes. Um, we were a little behind this week. And Just trying to be more intentional. Yes, as we said in our New Year's um, non-resolutions. Out, it turns out that takes more work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I just kind of felt defeated today. We've got a lot of projects going on. We're remodeling the um, both of our bathrooms and the house is kind of in disarray right now. And I felt like we neglected the kids for a good portion of the day. So, um, but the good news is we had a great conversation, you and me, I think, and um, talked about what we could change, what we had the power to change and what we didn't and uh, how we wanted the rest of the day to look. And we kind of got to it. And now we get to come back here and be with our friends and talk about fun stuff. So yeah. You know what? Right now I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I think you and I both have been kind of attempting to take an approach to things when, when a problem is presented or even an issue is had with somebody else or something mm -hmm. to not just sit there and overdiagnose the problem. Like it's important to diagnose, but often we, you know, people in general, we tend to stop there if we even get there at all. And we've been really trying to go, okay, okay, we got it. So what would be the way to fix this? Like if, if we, if I was counseling me, if you know, mm -hmm. if you were counseling you, if you had that ability to step out and I really feel like today that kind of, that worked out that way. I saw a meme recently that was, I don't know if you've seen this one, babe, but it was, um, uh, two sides of, of the way an argument can look. And the first side was two people like a husband and a wife with this jumbled mess in the middle that symbolized the problem. And then the other side was the husband and the wife that were kind of just hugging each other, um, looking over at the jumbled mess. That was the problem. So it gave a good visual of when we, for me, when we are at odds about something or I'm frustrated or you're frustrated or we're just kind of trying to separate what the problem is and putting you and I on one side and the problem on the other and working at it from the same direction um, has been helpful for me. But I feel like that's probably something we should save for our marriage series coming up. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, and it's going to, we're going to have it be at least two, maybe three episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. And um, as marriage experts ourselves, yeah. <laughs> Please. no, it, it's, uh, we hope to make it just very real, raw, vulnerable, mm -hmm all those buzzwords, but, but really, um, in sharing our own weaknesses, we hope to help strengthen you. So 
you can look forward to that. Um, and next week, we actually we have a, an episode in mind, and it could change, but um, we won't give too much away. But we, we want to begin tackling more of, we talk about the gospel a lot on this, and we realize there's going to be some people listening who maybe don't really know what that means. Uh, so that is uh, our intention next week, is to dig into more of a what is the gospel kind of episode. So, But as uh, we mentioned before, uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about that sacred and secular divide that we see in Western culture. And um, as you mentioned, it's been adopted recently, like more in the probably the last 50, 60 years mm-hmm. or so. Um, this kind of thing has really began to to permeate. And I would say especially since maybe like the 60s, as more um, secular teaching began um being proliferated in colleges and things, and the idea that God is dead and religion is dumb and, you know, there's just science and and everything like that. You see this rise of, so you should have a split, you know, and what it really means is you have, hey, that's your private life. Don't bring that into your public life. So, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, So really what we're talking about is a worldview. And a few years ago, the idea of a worldview wasn't that popular or enticing. Um, and then it started to become something people became more aware of the terminology, at least. And yeah, Christian schools teach biblical worldview, and mm-hmm. when people will reference a secular worldview, um, but no one often expounds on what exactly that means. Yeah, and even for myself, I remember it's it's probably been about, about 10 years now. I started digging into this more and realizing, oh, like the way that truth, like there has to be a basis for moral truth and if I believe the gospel, if I believe the Bible, then this has to have some say over my life. Um, and so I began to dig into that and learn a little bit more and saw, oh, yeah, there really is. There's actual teachings on this, like a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. But what I have found in the process is a lot of people, even who have been Christians for a long time, uh, they are unaware that there's actually anything wrong with this kind of thinking where we compartmentalize our lives. So, so yeah. Um, so a worldview though really is that lens through which you interpret and you understand the world around you and all the things that you interact with. Um, and this also determines the way you make your decisions, how you live your life, really everything in between. So understanding it is very important. But uh, as we mentioned last week on the episode, a worldview being a lens, it's sort of like trying to look at the lens of your own eye with your eye. Mm -hmm. Like trying to see it is often very hard because it's so ingrained in who we are that we we don't even really think to to question it. Um, So examining it can be kind of a difficult process. Um, But uh, the view that Christians have accepted is more of this sacred-secular divide. And there's a a section uh, in the book Total Truth that Alicia is going to read, and um, Total Truth is written by Nancy Piercy, and she is an excellent author, studied under Francis Schaeffer, and just really incredible thinker and Christian author. 
The excerpt from the book is, The first step in forming a Christian worldview is to overcome this sharp divide between quote-unquote heart and quote-unquote brain. We have to reject the division of life into a sacred realm, limited to things like worship and personal morality, over and against a, a secular realm that includes science, politics, economics, and the rest of the public arena. This dichotomy in our own minds is the greatest barrier to liberating the power of the gospel across the whole of culture today. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there even in that little bit. Um, And you can kind of see the type of author, like, I think she still makes everything very accessible, but there's a ton of truth there. And if this is kind of new to you, it might be like, wait, what? I, I, how do I, I don't even think I do that. Do I, how do I divide these things? Why, what is, what is it? And really, as she said there, it's this belief that the sacred part or the religious part, that's your personal private world Mm -hmm. of religious truth, but kind of truth in quotes. Uh, And then really that's, that's all relative to whatever your personal preference is, your religion, you know, all of that. And then we separate the secular side or the public world of everything else, politics, culture, work, parenting, in anything like that. So give us an example, babe, of what that might look like for someone who's separating their sacred life and their secular life. I'll, I'll use something um, basically paraphrased from that book, the same book, Total Truth. Um, she talks about a guy who was a lawyer, and he had thought about becoming a, a minister or going to Bible college or something along those lines, but he just didn't really have what he thought it took to do that, so pursued law instead and kind of lived this divide of, well, you know, I know I'm not really doing anything for the Lord. I'm not doing the Lord's work. So often we mistake the ministry being, well, I have to be a full-time staff pastor or worship leader or whatever, something in ministry. I got to go be a missionary. And if I'm not doing those things, then I'm just the lay people, you know, they can, all they can really do is support those ministries by giving them money. And so this guy was looking at it as, I'm, I'm an attorney, you know, and I, I just do this. And some, somebody finally spoke up to him and said, don't, don't you see, though, like, that's not where, where it lies. Like, you can be a, an attorney whose faith informs the way that you do law. Because mm-hmm. he said there were issues where people were claiming to be Christians as attorneys, but um, this guy in particular, he did something where he found ways to work in the loopholes of breaking contracts. Like that was his specialty mm. and didn't really see anything wrong with it. And it's like you, you, what he's really doing is finding ways to lie and cheat and manipulate the system. And so he, once he kind of had that awakening, he's like, wait a minute, this, this does contradict what I claim to believe. And if I really believe it, that should actually inform the way that I am doing my job as an attorney. So this this is that I would say that's kind of the example of it. then he ended up kind of forming a way of doing this and mentoring other attorneys who are had uh, professed a Christian faith into how do you be an attorney who's a Christian and do that in a way that glorifies God. Another example I would give is uh, something I've heard a lot throughout the years is that um, people have been more burned by Christian business owners and they would prefer not to work with a Christian business owner because of um, how they've been burned and they don't trust them. And that's something I've experienced in business as well. Uh, there's you, the business owner goes to church on Sunday, acts one way towards the church members. And then when they get to their business, they're finding out ways to um, cheat on their taxes 
services or um, <laughs> sell people poor poorly made products at an exorbitant rate or whatever that is, or just swindle people out of their money. It's like, how can you claim to be a Christian yet treat people like this? And they take on, well, it's not, it's not personal, it's business type attitude, which is, it's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is you, you, it ends up getting confused. It's like, how, well, how do I be a, a Christian that does those things? Um, does that mean that I have to, while I'm doing my job, I'm constantly um, taking away from my productivity by preaching at people and, and constantly telling mm-hmm. people, look at me, look how good I am, or, or something along those lines. And really, um, there, there's a saying attributed to Martin Luther that was, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was your job as a, if you're a carpenter making tables, your job is not to to um, preach while you're making those tables so much as it is to make really good tables mm. and and let that flow out from that. And I don't want to confuse that with, there's a saying, you know, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. And you look in scripture, it's like, it's always necessary to use words. Um, n- you, nobody's going to hear the truth of the gospel. And I think this is one way that we've actually swung or, or maybe even... Um, given in to this idea of sacred and secular is we think, okay, well, then I don't actually have to be a nut job going around and telling people about, you know, the, the God who became a man and you know, lived a perfect life and was born to a virgin and all this. Um, I can just be a really nice person and then people will get saved. What would you say are some consequences of living life in um, compartmentalizing those two areas of life? Well, a couple of things happen here, really. Two things. Christians end up living separate lives, and it becomes very, almost um, like a bipolar personality, if you will. One thing that you'd see is you go to church on Sunday, but you're angry and you're flipping people off in traffic, or you're fighting with your spouse. You don't see how what you learned on Sunday applies to anything else, because the religious life, it's just the secret life. It's really meant for just that personal enrichment. It even is very, as we said, relativistic. So it has no implication, though, beyond just this private practice kind of thing. And then your public life, you look just like the rest of the world. You have the same ethics, the same morals, the same virtues. Um, And it's determined by largely arbitrary things, but it's heralded or proclaimed as like, hey, this is objective truth. Would you say that's probably the contributing factor to why Christians have often gotten the reputation of being a hypocrite? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Which is ironic because on the one hand, the reason they're doing what they're doing is because they're buying what they're told, which is, yeah, hey, keep your personal life personal. And then your public life, keep it public. Uh, but so it's, it's sort of a, you know, they can't win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, damned if you do, damned if you yeah, don't. <laughs> exactly. So I, th- I think that that is though a big reason why people see the hypocrisy of it. And we Christians, though, we often fail to see how scripture applies to anything. I recently, I had a conversation with somebody, a, a Christian, and, um, it was regarding our podcast and, kind of explaining, hey, it's called The All of Life Show. It's about how the gospel applies to every area of life. And this person said, I assume when you're saying the gospel, you mean the four gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I was like, well, yes, those contain the truth of the gospel um, and explain like what Jesus did in coming, but I didn't get to go too much into it. 
Um, and honestly, I was kind of caught off guard mm-hmm. because it was somebody who I would expect would probably have known this. But I'm also at the same time not. I wasn't surprised because I have met plenty of Christians and I used to be one myself where it was like, yeah, okay, um, you know, people just kind of go about their lives and the gospel doesn't really have any Transformative power for everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. So even though scripture talks about that under Christ, all things are uh, going to be in subjection under him and that he is ruler and authority over everything, we don't really see, oh, we we think, well, that means everything in the sacred, right? Everything Mm -hmm. in the, the sacred life. So we, we kind of lose a whole bunch of other stuff that would actually apply. And part of this, too, I think we, we end up not seeing how these problems, like we rule out a solution, right? We, we rule out, it's that whole, if, uh, if I tell you, you have to tell me what two plus two is, but the only thing is four cannot be an answer. Okay, but you're always going to get the answer wrong, even if you're close, even if you're three or four. Yeah, or five, I mean, you know, you're not going to be the right answer. You're going to be like, well, I was really, really close. Well, this is something we have because we don't see how if God made everything, if he is creator of all things, then he would be the one who would know the best about how things work, how you were designed, what you have in you. And he describes it in scripture uh, through the people he has writing it, but he describes the fall. He describes sin. He describes the separation of God from man. And we have that as like a, a paradigm to actually think about the way that these things uh, play out. What are What is the source of all problems in the world? Because I don't think there's a person alive who, who being honest, could look at the world and say, I don't see anything wrong with this. Everything's right. fine. Everybody has that ability to see that, but it's uh, we used that analogy last week of the the blind men feeling the elephant and trying to figure out what it is. They don't have uh, divine insight into what it is they're actually doing, and it takes having that outside person, or in this case, actually the creator of everything, come into creation and reveal himself and explain, hey, you're broken, you're separated, sin has, has condemned you, it infiltrates everything you do, every, every thought you have. So the reason why your marriage is terrible is ultimately, in some way, due to the fall and sin. It doesn't mean that everything that you've done is blatantly, intentionally a sin, and that's another episode we could get into mm-hmm. of what is sin. So we're kind of hitting, too, on some of the what is the gospel stuff here, but suffice it to say, this sacred secular worldview, it is a lens, and just like your eyes, if you have blurry vision, you're going to have difficulty navigating. You're, you're going to have difficulty seeing where you're going. Well, our lens of this worldview, the clarity of that determines the, your clarity on the truth. So it is in our best interest to go, hey, how's my lens? Is there anything that I can do? Uh, you know, I, I have friends who have had like LASIK eye surgery after years of having glasses and they're like I wish I had done this sooner I wish I didn't even know what I was missing mm-hmm. and that that's another thing you get so used to your vision being bad because it's usually goes slow over time and I've even noticed this like as I'm approaching 40 and I I've begun to notice like it's not bad but I'm like I I'm pretty sure that sign used to be like more in focus at this distance and now I feel like I'm squinting a little You're bit getting more. old babe yeah You're I'm getting, getting old, old. <laughs> 
So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the danger is, um, like, as you were saying, the, if, if this, the gospel and scripture informs our sacred life, our faith life, um, but it doesn't inform our, um, our secular life, then what does inform our secular life? Something's going to. Yeah. So, and if you, if you've got one thing pointing you in the right direction, scripture and the gospel for your sacred life, you have millions of influences in your secular life to, um, to affect how you're going to move forward in that quote unquote, that area of your life, even Mm -hmm. though it all should be combined Yeah, when the gospel really does contain everything that we need um, for all of life. Yeah. I think this is probably a weak analogy, but uh, you know, the people who would go to the doctor who um, I remember watching one of those shows, it was probably like my strange addiction or something like that on TLC years ago, but there was this guy and every day he would consume like the massive big gulp things. He'd, he'd do like three or four or five of those every day of Pepsi, not diet Pepsi, just Pepsi. And it's like if they showed what that amount of sugar is, it was like eating a bag of sugar every day. And this guy was going into the hospital because he was potentially going to be losing his limbs due to diabetes. And it a lot of times, though, what people will do is they think, oh, well, what I need is a medication. And and all that often does is mask it. And I'm not saying I'm against medication or anything, but but the real source of the problem was there wasn't actual proper nutrition in the mm-hmm. first place. Like if we correct that, we correct things at the root. And what we're really talking about in this is if you understand that the root of all things is the gospel, is Christ, it, as scripture says, he holds everything together. It's by the power of his will. Uh, that is huge. He that that doesn't mean just some of the things. That means everything, like every atom. I've even heard, and again, I'm not a scientist, but there was a, a presentation where they were saying when they got down to like the molecular level, there's certain things where it's like the, this doesn't make sense. Why do these things stay connected? Because science technically would tell us that these should be repelling, but somehow in in there they're they're staying together. And it's like, well, I guess, I wonder, I'm just saying, maybe it is the creator of the universe holding everything together. So with that in mind, it's important that we know this creator and we understand uh, who he is, what he wants, what he has done, and how he has designed things to work. Um, When you begin to put these things together, I feel, and I don't think it's just my personal feeling, but life makes a lot more sense, even the broken parts. You know, everybody goes, well, what about evil? What about the problem of evil in the world? And they have all these seemingly um, big moral objections or something or questions. And it's like, well, when you begin to put these pieces together, you go, that's not actually a problem. In fact, this explains that really, really well. I don't know of anything else that does explain this that well. So breaking down sacred and secular a little bit more, we've talked about why um, having why the, having the separation there can be dis, destruct, destructing, destructful, dis, destruct, destructive. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> like I said, it's been a day. <laughs> Destructive. Um, please, babe, share with us a little bit about um, where the separation of sacred versus secular is actually appropriate and helpful. Well, one of the things you would see is in the Constitution of the United States. Um, and a lot of people think that when they talk separation of church and state, that that appears in there, and it doesn't. It's actually from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote. But if you read the context of things he said and his practices, uh, he, he was not saying that the church should be kept out of anything in the state. He was really informing that everybody should keep politics out of the church. You shouldn't be um, controlling the church. And really, a lot of this was informed by what he knew of the political issues in England and other history at the time, that they were controlling and endorsing one church state, Church of England, and forcing people to worship in that Mm -hmm. way. And so it inevitably would lead to corruption, the government endorsing one religion, um, manipulation, compromising the truth of the gospel in that, because now the state may have ulterior motives for what is being preached, uh, and they may encourage that, hey, don't say these things, and that often was the case at that time. Uh, but another thing is, so so there is the importance there, though, that there is a separation of understanding, like you don't control them, and they don't control you. So the church shouldn't seek to rule the government. And notice I said rule, not uh, actually be involved or influence. Um, There's a a saying, and you'll hear if you've ever listened like Ben Shapiro or somebody like that, he quotes it, and he he quotes it from um, Andrew Breitbart, who had mentored him, but that politics is downstream from culture. And I actually found that same quote in that Total Truth book, uh, which is... I think it was like 2004, 2005, and it basically says the exact same thing. And in it, what they're saying is people think they'll get into politics uh, and it'll change the world, but they get into politics and they believe this sacred secular thing. So they don't really, they, they believe that, well, the best way is that we'll legislate more righteous activities. We'll make things more illegal or more legal, and, and that'll do away with the problems. We'll defund certain things, will fund other things. And in some manners, there may be justification for those things, but the church should not be seeking to rule the government because it's going to lead to thinking that righteousness and redemption can be legislated and mandated. And if you know the gospel, that is not so. In fact, that's the mistake you make if you try to live a works-based righteousness from the law. And if you read Romans, you see Paul, him saying, I... I, when I tried to live under the law, I couldn't keep it. There was something in me that, though I wanted to do the right thing, I couldn't do it. There was I lacked the will. So the things I wanted to do, I didn't do, and the things I didn't want to do, those are the very things I did. So, yeah, the church being seeking to rule the government, uh, it can also cause us to forget that Jesus uh, said his kingdom is not of this world. And then we lose sight of our commission to preach the gospel and make disciples. So... Believing in total separation is not ideal, though. Um, it gives up ground for preaching the gospel. So we there's there's a balance, a tension there again of how are we to get involved and how are we to um, influence things. But the biggest thing is the church, the Christian community, in that sacred secular belief, we give up that ground of where we can preach the gospel because we don't really know ourselves 
how that applies to this problem or that problem. Um, we don't under we we don't approach people and and go, hey, can I help you with this? Um, let me tell you about the God who made everything. Uh, we see Paul do that in in the Book of Acts. You know, he even starts from uh, uh, his sermon on Mars Hill. He he goes, hey, I was walking around and I saw all these statues to all your various gods. And then I saw one to the unknown God. Let me tell you about him. And he begins to say, he's the God who made everything. In fact, he rules over everything. And they were very intrigued by that. And they, they listened, though it doesn't sound like anybody gave their life to Christ or anything. But, but even then, he approached it with, he had a gospel perspective, an eternal perspective of what mattered most. So let's say I'm a Christian listening to this podcast and I, it's really resonating with me. Like, I feel like I'm living two separate lives. I have my church life and I have my, and my worldly life. I have my sacred life and my secular life. What am I supposed to do now that I understand a little bit more that this is an, like a, a, a not good way to live? Where do I go from here? Well, first I would say, um, begin asking yourself what views you have on any given subject subject and then interrogate those views secondly so asking yourself how those of you begin asking actually why you believe those views like okay you you don't believe in um pro-life movement you believe in pro-choice movement why how can you how can you hold that view and what do you base that off of so you're interrogating it and then ask yourself how those views align with biblical truth because that's something i've seen quite a bit of and more so now than I think I've ever seen, there are people who are like, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian, but this movement, this particular political stance, this thing, this is really what's going to save us. This is really what's the right thing to do. And in some cases, like, like you know, I, I pick abortion in this, you know, topic here because that is very easily, in my opinion, uh, and conviction easily approached from biblical perspective, yet so many people, Christians, don't know how to do that. So approach it and begin to ask yourself why you hold that view, interrogate that view, and then uh, how that aligns with biblical truth. And you may also, to add a little more to that, find out if you are ignorant of biblical truth, be studying scripture, be reading books from good authors. Uh, I recommend this Total Truth uh, book by Nancy R. Piercy. Uh, she has some other amazing books. Uh, Francis Schaeffer, anything by him is going to be really informative, and it might be kind of heady. So, But look for things like that, because what do we see in a lot of Christian culture, but a lot of really more like chicken soup for the soul style Christian books, or um, not to pick on anything, but a lot of women's ministry stuff, uh, tends to be more of the, let's make you feel good. How dare you? I know, I'm very controversial and <laughs> offensive. Um, but even, you could say, a lot of ministry, uh, like Joel Osteen or somebody mm -hmm. like that, you know, he he does not preach a gospel really at all. Well, it's but what he does say doesn't challenge anybody yeah. in anything. You're omitting the parts of scripture that make you feel uncomfortable. And those are the parts of scripture that we should be extra digging into. So, because if not, then we are just going, we're getting our uh, worldview from a secular point of view. Uh, we're only here. I mean, we are, we're going to establish those views that we have in our mind based off of information. Where is that information coming from? And a dangerous thing that we, as Christians tend to do is pick and choose what we think is okay 
in scripture based off of what we feel comfortable with. Right. And we've said this before, if you're allowed to pick and choose what the what what God is telling us in his scripture, then basically you're saying that you get to be God. You actually know better than God. Yeah. So it's either you pick all of it or you pick none of it, but you don't get somewhere in between. Yeah, it is vitally important to you and your Christian life and your all of your life <laughs> that you bring yourself into subjection under God entirely, that we are always looking for those things where, hey, that's out of alignment. That is something that I didn't realize. And again, this sort of process here of asking yourself why you hold these views and stuff, that's going to be a way of seeking to bring those views into alignment with the gospel. I don't um, think I don't think um, God God's expectation of us is that we don't wrestle with those things either. I mean, there's even an analogy of Jacob wrestling with God in Scripture, and I think that's there for a reason. He his expectation is that these things. It, 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 it would be, they don't just come easy for us. And he's expecting us to go back and forth on some of these things, but he's there to go back and forth with us on these things. There's a quote I want to read by A.W. Tozer. It goes like this. We cannot afford to let down our Christian standards just to hold the interests of people who want to go to hell and still belong to a church. Sounds kind of harsh, but it's also kind of true. Like, He's really saying we cannot compromise the truth of the gospel because it is not relative. It is not a form of truth. It is total truth, as that book is taking that title from that concept, that it is total truth. And so, Christians, if you're listening, and I hope you are, this is something that you need to be challenging yourself in all the time. And if you are uncomfortable, you're probably going in the right direction because it's when we seek just the comfort that we are probably in a place where we're not actually doing the work that is uncomfortable. So be doing that, be pressing in, be practicing those things, and uh, we will dig back into more of this concept in later episodes. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Please remember to go give a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts if you so choose and if you're enjoying the podcast. You can email us at info at alloflifeshow.com or shoot us a message on Facebook as well. We love you guys and we will see you next week for What is the Gospel? God bless. God bless.